Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope that it blesses you. Hello. Really? That's not starting well, is it? Hello. That's better. Thanks. <laughs> the kid at the back. Hi. Um, he's used to it at school. If you go to school, they have to do that all the time. If you want to see a miracle happening, Ron becoming a vegetarian will be it. Hashtag just saying. My name's Rowena, and um, I look after evangelism and discipleship and a little bit of mission here at St. Saviour's. And we're t today we're talking about one of our values, and one of our values is reliant. Um, now, I looked up the word reliant in the dictionary because I thought, well, I didn't look it up. I typed it into Google because that's where the dictionary is now. And the word reliant means having or showing dependence. So firstly, we're going to have a little shout it out game. You'll look thrilled. Um, so I firstly want to ask you, what is it that you are reliant on? Alcohol, yes, excellent. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Friendship, somewhere to live, a car. Did someone say a car? Serena's me, a car. Anyone else? Your wife, good answer. Your phone charger, good answer. Phone, see, honesty down the front phone charger. Money. Who said money? Wave at me. Yes. Well done. Money. What else are you reliant on? No, two people are saying things at the same time and I can't hear either of you. Food. Well done. Yes, food. Anything else? The toilet. Yeah, thanks, Ian. <laughs> he did just say that. I didn't just add that in. No. Put it, your job. That's quite a lot of things to be reliant on, isn't it? Somebody said air as well. It's like, was that you, John? Said air to breathe. So, those are all the answers you gave. And actually, you gave a lot of what I was thinking of, and then some that I hadn't even thought. The phone charge is genius, didn't even occur to me, and I am prop there, see. Millennial, no? Well, before, oh, yeah, that was a compliment then, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, how many of us rely on a job to pay our bills? How many of us rely on social media to tell us how many people like us? Oh, did you hear that? You all went, ooh. That was weird. How many of us rely on a cup of coffee before we can get going in the morning? Look, loads of people have just put their hands up voluntarily. How many of us will admit that when we get home from work, we're tired and we're stressed? So sometimes a cheeky glass of wine or a beer will help us go to sleep or relax. As a society, we rely on a lot of stuff. My battle, my thing that I'm afraid of not having is money. Money, it's like, oh, I just kind of, it's a reliance that I'm battling, you know, just letting it go and trusting God. But what do we mean here at St. Saviour's when we talk about reliant? So our definition is that we constantly seek God. He is central to our lives. We listen to him by reading his word through teaching and through prayer. 
We desire to deepen our faith and trust in him. We accept that we are broken people being transformed by his grace. That's our St. Saviour's reliance. And how many of us will say that statement is true for us? Sounds lovely, doesn't it? But what does the Bible say about being reliant? Well, actually what it says is that we are to rely on God and God alone for everything we need. And I'm going to tell you about some of my favorite people in the Bible who did that. They're called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as they're, they're unofficially known, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. You're going to remember them now, aren't you? That's how I was taught to remember them a few years ago, by a grown-up, by the way, and I was a grown-up. What in kids' church or anything? My shack, your shack, and a bungalow. And basically, they're Daniel's mates. And in Daniel 3, Daniel was awesome, by the way. He was like a dude. He just, he just went for it. And in Daniel 3, there was this bloke called King Nebuchadnezzar. And he basically is a bit of a nutter and a possible narcissist because he built a 90-foot statue of himself. Can you imagine doing that? Sunbury Cross. I'm just going to build myself a statue of myself in gold. And he demanded, demanded that people bow down and worship it. Humble, humble man. And Daniel's three friends, they were having none of that. They're like, no, thank you. So I'm going to read you some words from Daniel 3, verse 16 to 27. If you want to read along and you haven't got a Bible with you, just wave and someone will bring you a Bible. We have large print versions for me as well. Um, and they said these killer words at the exact point where he said he's about to throw them in a boiling hot furnace if they don't worship the statue. This is what they said. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up and throw them into the, the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, their trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded round them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. 
Well, can you imagine that? You only have to stand next to a bonfire and you stink of it for about a week. But there was no smell of fire. Just think about that. They were about to be thrown into a furnace that was so hot that it killed the soldiers who were holding on to them. And still, they wouldn't deny God and worship that weirdo. Now that is trust and reliance on God. I think the most powerful thing they say in this passage is, but even if he doesn't. I've got that verse in a frame that Donna made for me for inspiration, and it says, but even if he doesn't. Imagine how afraid they must have been. But still they said they would rather die than worship your fake God and your 90-foot statue. We will not diss our loving Father. They had trust that God would save them, but they were prepared to die even if he didn't. Now that's reliance on God, isn't it? Because what I find really striking about their love and commitment to God is it wasn't based on their own chosen outcome. It wasn't based on what God might do for them. Their love was unconditional, brave and courageous. Is our love of God that brave and courageous and unconditional? It's like, oh, I'm not sure. And do you know what happened? Who wants to know what happened because of that? All right, five of you, but I'll tell the rest of you anyway. The king, that very same nutter, 90-foot statue bloke, he made a decree across the whole land that everyone must follow God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the world they lived in changed because of their reliance on God. I love that. God used the bloke's ego to turn a whole nation around from all the nutty things they were doing. Their faith and reliance changed a nation. What would it look like in your family or my family if we were reliant on God like those three men were? What would it look like? And you know, through open doors that the youth are going to be supporting, there are Christians around the world who actually have to go through that level of persecution. If they're found reading their Bibles or singing or praying, they are tortured and killed in horrific circumstances. But yet here in the UK, we can read our Bible whenever we choose. We can worship our hearts out whenever we want. And we're safe. So how do we really rely on God? As our values state, it's by reading our Bibles daily, praying and learning from teaching. By accepting that God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He accepts us as broken and vulnerable, and he loves us. He sent his son Jesus to save us. And one of Jesus' greatest promises in the Bible was Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. It says, then, Je then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I just love that. I want rest for my soul. Does anybody else here want rest for your soul? Oh, more than five. Excellent. Now, what do you think of when you think of rest? Mine involves some form of sofa. Does yours? Yeah, you think of rest, you think, ah, 
my sofa. And Jesus is talking about a yoke, which in this case does not mean splat an egg on your head to de-stress yourself, although that might distract you from whatever was stressing you out in the first place because you'll be dealing with egg dripping down your hair. As a girl, that's not a good look. I said this morning, does anyone else remember when you did that at school? And then did the splat, that you nodded, thanks. Just me and you, we were the only ones who did that at school. Just us. But he's talking about being yoked in a harness. Well, that sounds much better, doesn't it? Yes, what do I want to do on a relaxing Saturday night? Yoke myself in a harness. But I found a description of what he actually means by that. And it said, a yoke is a harness that goes around two necks so that two oxen can pull the load. It's a picture of help, because suddenly you're not pulling the load alone anymore. In each team, one oxen is the leader and the other one follows. Jesus will take the lead, but you must be yoked to him for that to happen. So I've got two questions for you to just mull over, meditate, whatever your word is. Firstly, are you yoked to Jesus? If not, who or what are you yoked to? Is it debt? Is it addiction? Is it illness? Is it the pursuit of success or money? Or is it your looks? What? I have a feeling you might have touched something then. Yeah. What is that noise? Can any of you hear it or is it just me? God's heartbeat has come back. Anyone remember that week? I'm just going to plow on and hope it stops. Right, I'll stand still. Is that okay? Brilliant. My second question is who is in the driving seat? Is it Jesus or is it you? Are you in the driving seat of your own life? Jesus promises in that verse that his yoke won't choke you. It won't hurt you. It won't be wearisome or confining. The irony is that if you want to be completely free, you must allow yourself to be yoked to Jesus and submit your life to him, which is the exact opposite of what people believe Jesus will be like, following Jesus will be like. So before you give your life to Jesus, you think it's not going to be that. You believe, I, just as I believe, the lies that the media peddles, that when you follow Jesus, your life is going to become restrictive and full of rules, and that you can't possibly live by. Instead, the truth of love, the love that is going to pour into you will be like no other love you've ever experienced in your life before or afterwards. That is the truth. So how do we stay or start being reliant? It's by abiding in his word. Not just reading it, but abiding in it. In John 8, 31, 32, Jesus says to his people, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth. And what does the truth do? The truth will set you free, not bind you up. The truth will set you free. So where do we find Jesus' teachings? I'm actually asking, where do we find his teachings? in the Bible. And the word abide means to remain, to continue to stay, to live in his word. And I think that sounds so beautiful, to live in his word. And to do this, we may have to give up something else. 
We may have to switch our allegiance from one reliance to another. We may have to step out of our comfort zone. In my Esther days, I talk about how if we think of our comfort zone as a prison or a cage, it doesn't make us want to sit in there. Just picture it now in your minds that your comfort zone is like a cage or a prison. Do you want to stay in there? Do any of you want to stay in your comfort zone? Some of you are going, yeah, I do, thanks. You can't make me leave it. I've got the key to the door and it's shut. Because outside our comfort zone is where Jesus lives. There he is beckoning us to have him as the center of our lives, trusting him, submitting to his will instead of ours. And I went to see a lovely friend of mine this week and she'd just been given one of these cards that I'm going to show you in a sec at a training session. And it was all about having good mental health. And I loved it and thought it was perfect and thought, I'm wedging that into today. That's going in. So just show you a picture. There it is. Look, does anyone remember Purple Ronnie? No? Yeah, thanks, Serena. Yeah, there's Purple Ronnie. That's what it reminds me of. But look what it says. It says 2% of the population step out of their comfort zone. 2%. That's ridiculous, isn't it? 2%, 98% stay in. If you look at the words on there, and this isn't a Christian thing, this was just a thing. <laughs> Think of the word then. It's not a Christian thing, it's just a thing. Look at the words inside the comfort zone and look at the words outside the comfort zone. The word abundance is there. It's a proper good biblical word for the joy and fullness of life. I want, which ones do you want? I want the ones outside the circle. So I found, what I found most amazing about this thing is that this is a mental health team who are saying the very same thing as Jesus is, that stepping out of our comfort zone is good for us. It's what's best for us. So I want you to just think about it. How can I step out my comfort zone? If God is central to our lives, then everything we do will flow out of that beautiful love. Maybe then we will have the courage to step out and rely on him and him alone and not all that stuff we talked about earlier. Is anyone else going, oh, that's hard? No, just me. And for some of us, outside our comfort zone is giving our life to Jesus, is sitting through this talk when you thought you were just coming to a baptism and a party. You're like, I'm well out my comfort zone now, love. If I could get up and leave, if I wasn't British, I'd have got up and left by now because I don't know what you're talking about. But there's a reason you're here today and you may be outside your comfort zone, but God loves you so much that he made you friends with these two beautiful people and brought you here today because he loves you and he's pursuing a relationship with you where you will know that you are loved. Outside your comfort zone is where Jesus lives. And for some of us, outside our comfort zone is reading our Bible. It's praying out loud. It's tithing. It's telling someone you go to church. Cringe. Has anyone else just inwardly cringed? Oh, I can't mention the word church at work. Or 
But people will think I'm a nutter. Don't make me do that. And for me, it's learning to rely on God and not money. The first verse I read in the Bible was, you cannot worship God and money, you have to make a choice. Yeah, quite. I was like, I don't know you, Lord, but you clearly know me very well. Because that's literally my battle. We used to earn a lot of money, now we don't. And I'm not saying that's what happened if you follow Jesus, but... The words that were in my reading this morning, just if I hadn't heard it clear enough, were, Jesus warned that wealth can distort spiritual perspective, that it requires God's divine intervention to free us. And that's what he did for me and Ron. But you see, God doesn't want us to read his word, pray and learn from teaching just for the sake of it. He's not up there going, let's see what I can make them do today. It's not a burden either for you. It's not supposed to be a burden. He wants this for us because it's through doing those things that we find who we truly are, the beautiful person he created us to be, what our salt and light truly looks like in the world. And maybe for some of you, believing what I just said is out of your comfort zone. You're thinking, that's not me. I haven't got anything to offer the world. He doesn't really know what's going on in my head. But he does, and he does. And through these actions, what we will learn to see in ourselves and those around us is the beauty in each person. Instead of looking through a filter of judgmental worldly eyes of what is wrong with us, we will start to believe that how he sees us is the truth. And what does the truth do? Sets you free. Our relationship with God is an ongoing, lifelong work of art. And giving your life to Jesus is just the beginning. And then the hard work of learning to hear his voice above the noise, above babies, above, above music, above chitter-chatter at work. It's hard. That's when it starts. The hard work of learning to become reliant on him and seeing how beautiful that is. To be faithful when you can't see ahead and all you feel is pain and confusion. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is his gift. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's his gift. And it says in John 14, 26 to 27, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift a peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. What a beautiful gift. And it's a gift that leads us to the final thing that helps us be reliant. And that's prayer. Prayer. He knew we were going to need help. Praying each day is such a good way to build on your relationship with God and learn to hear his voice above the noise. Like any relationship, good communication is essential for it to grow. If we don't spend time, talk, however tempting, to communicating with our partner, it's very easy to drift apart, isn't it? You know, we get tied up with work and children, but if we don't talk to each other and listen to each other, we can easily drift apart, and it's the same with God. I think prayer is just our way to stay connected with someone who loves us. And if we don't practice it, we won't understand when God is speaking to us. Or in fact, 
Give him the space to talk to us. We won't hear his direction and his love for us when we're in pain. We won't learn to be reliant on him and him alone. Somebody wrote, generally God won't send a thunderbolt from heaven to get your attention. More often he speaks through your thoughts, a family member, a friend, a teacher, a pastor, a change in your circumstances, the sudden discovery of like this beautiful piece of Bible verse, the writing of someone really gifted, or in the quietness when he fills your heart with peace. So learn to listen to God's voice. I love the last bit, the bit where it says, or in the quietness when he fills your heart with peace. I want that. Does anybody else want that? Our world isn't very peaceful, is it? But we can have in that busyness the quietness of his peace. So we're going to go into a time of response now, and I'm going to ask you, will you allow God to come in and minister to you and be transformed by his grace? Maybe you're part of this baptism party and you're feeling prompted. I don't know what that woman's just said, but I want to step forward and I just want to give my life to Jesus, even though I don't understand the words I just said. I don't understand what I'm saying, but I just want to know God's love. I want that love for me in my life. Then come and we will pray for you. If you'd like to become more reliant on God and less reliant on yourself, then why not come forward right now for prayer and just be brave. Get up. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Just walk forward. Walk forward and come and we will pray with you for more reliance on God. Or maybe sit quietly in your seat with your hands out in front of you. It's not magic hands. It's just like a way of going, I'm open. I'm open to what you're saying, Lord. And ask God to come and speak to you. But what does reliant, being reliant on God look like to you? I'll finish with a quote that I found that says, Reliance is living a life of faith like Paul did. Trusting God's words above our own reason. And understanding that it is so limited by comparison. So while the band comes up, I'm just going to say a little prayer for us. to make Because everyone will have their eyes shut. And we don't have our eyes shut because that makes something magic happen, like the hands. It's because it helps us focus. It helps you to not worry about the people around you and just focus better. So let's just say a prayer, and then we're going to go into a time of singing again. But if you, something has touched you in this talk, don't just sit there. Stand up and come forward, and we'll be over there, and we'll pray for you. Don't take the burden you came with home again. So, Father God, we just pray for courage. We pray for your Holy Spirit to break out now in this church and to touch people's hearts, minister to people's hearts in a way that is personal to them. Just come, Holy Spirit, and speak to our very souls today as we just wait upon you now and sing and move forward in this service. Break off chains that break people from coming forward to ask for prayer. If there's someone here who wants to give their life to Jesus but is embarrassed, let that just speak off that embarrassment and let them step forward to be born again into a new life of love. And we just ask all of this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
more information about St. Saviour's, please visit www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk.